from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Support for today's show comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank, and Men's Journal named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the Giants' 7-0 win over the Diamondbacks last night in Arizona. Derek Rodriguez pitching seven shutout innings in his return to the major leagues and the offense against the left-handed pitcher for the Diamondbacks really taking liberties, and they also got to the bullpen as well. So just a nice, easy, dominant win for the Giants. We'll talk all about it and some roster moves beyond just Derek Rodriguez getting called up that were made prior to the game. But first, their record with the win, the Giants improved to 61-61, and so 500 with 40 games left in the season. They're 19 and a half games back in the West, but just three and a half games back in the wild card, they were able to gain a game in the standings last night. Giants' road record improved to 32-28, and 28, so they've been one of the better road teams in MLB this season. Only the Braves and Dodgers have better road records among National League teams. So there were some roster moves before the game, as I mentioned. Derek Rodriguez was officially recalled. We knew it was going to happen, but to my knowledge, it hadn't happened yet at the time of yesterday's recording. Williams, Jerez, and Aramis Garcia were optioned to AAA. The Giants also called up Fernando Abad, which I think is a big, significant, under-the-radar call-up here. Abad was having a phenomenal season in AAA with the Rivercats. In that extreme hitter-friendly league, he was allowing just .61 home runs per nine innings. In 44 innings there, he allowed just three home runs and four walks, which is just incredible ratios. And he also had a 26.5% strikeout rate. So he was just really dealing down there. And the fact that he wasn't called up sooner leads me to believe that the Giants were attempting to trade him because you can trade minor league players after the July 31st deadline. But the fact that they eventually just decided to call him up tells me that either they determined that Williams, Jerez, Sam Selman, and the other lefties they had tried in the bullpen weren't going to be able to get it done and that the Giants were still in the race and so they couldn't afford to lean too heavily on those guys. Or they weren't able to get what they thought was a good offer for Abad. Or it was a combination of the two. But the fact is, Fernando Abad has really solid projections here. Over a strikeout per inning, very reasonable walk rate. Obviously, I mean, if he's only walking that, you know, his walk rate in AAA was just 2.2% or 0.82 walks per nine innings, less than one walk per nine innings. That's incredible. And so his projection at the major league level is for a good walk rate and then a reasonable home run rate of 1.11 home runs per nine innings. The National League average is up around 1.4. 
So the ERA projection and the fielding independent pitching projection are all well above average for Abad. And by above average, I do mean better than average. So anyway, those were the roster moves. I think Fernando Abad is probably here to stay, and he'll probably be a big part of this bullpen the rest of the way. Might even be a better option than Tony Watson as a lefty in the pen at this point, based on what I'm seeing here. So anyway, the real story of the game, though, was Derek Rodriguez, the Giants desperately needing some help in the starting rotation, and Derek Rodriguez delivered yesterday, firing seven three-hit innings in which he did not allow a run, issued just one walk, and had four strikeouts. I think we'll get a little bit more into his numbers and his season and last season uh, more in the second half of the show. But in the first half, we just kind of want to run through the game and see how the Giants were able to come away with this 7 to nothing win. So it all started in the first inning. What else is new? Donovan Solano led off the game with a single. He was in their Giants lineup. They had this specialized lineup against the left-handed starting pitcher, as they do now. This is something they have not had in years past when they were just getting taken advantage of. They would have someone like Denard Spann leading off every day, whether it was a lefty or a righty, and he just really, really struggled against lefties in his entire Giants career, yet he hit leadoff pretty much every single time against them and was virtually an automatic out at the top of the lineup. But not anymore. They're committed to platoons, and the lineup went Solano, Slater in right, Posey, Longoria, Pilar, Jeanette, Rickard, Belt, and then Derek Rodriguez batting ninth. So the two lefties in the lineup were Jeanette and Belt, and that's perfectly acceptable to me. I mean, Solano can only play one position, so either Crawford or Jeanette is going to be in the lineup every day, one of those two whether it's a lefty or a righty, because they currently don't have another middle infielder who's right-handed. I think Mauricio Dubon is eventually going to take that role, but for now, one of those two guys will always be in the lineup. And then Belt, you know, Aramis Garcia was here for one game to bat against a lefty, but the thing about Belt is even when there's a lefty on the mound, he still is a threat to draw a walk. So anyway, just another two-hit game for Donovan Solano. He led off with a single Austin Slater then drew a four-pitch walk, the start of a huge game for Austin Slater, which we'll also talk about more later. Posey then hit a very lucky single that rolled up the third base line and ended up hitting the base. Jake Lamb tried to let it roll foul, but it just wouldn't, and it hit the base and was fair. Evan Longoria then hit a single that scored two runs. And then in the fifth inning, Austin Slater doubled with one out, followed by a Posey double with one out, and then Evan Longoria hit a two-run homer. So just like that, it was 5 to nothing Giants. Longoria has come alive a little bit here lately again, like he was prior to going on the injured list. In the sixth inning, Joey Rickard walked and Brandon Belt doubled, which scored Rickard, and that made it 6 to nothing. And then in the eighth inning, we had a Donovan Solano double down the right field line followed by an Austin Slater single, which scored Solano. So anyway, the Giants won 7 to nothing in convincing fashion. They had 13 hits against just three for the Diamondbacks. Sam Coonrod pitched a scoreless eighth with a strikeout, and Fernando Abad debuted with the Giants and pitched a scoreless ninth. He was featuring a plus fastball. He was hitting 95 with the fastball from the left side and a big curveball. Totally jammed the first battery face. He just looked impressive out there, and I do think he's really going to play a big role for the Giants here for the rest of the season. Another pickup by Farhan Zaidi in the offseason. So coming up in the second half of the show, I want to do a deeper dive into some of these players by looking at some of their numbers. What's legitimate? What's not legitimate? What to look out for moving forward? 
fantasy football players. Make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else, then you're just the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and keep you ahead all season long. Follow Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. Okay, as promised here in the second half of the show, we'll talk about some of the players we discussed in the first half. Derek Rodriguez specifically, also want to talk about Austin Slater. Derek Rodriguez, I think, was the main story from yesterday. The Giants desperately in need of some help in the starting rotation, and he filled those shoes yesterday very well. But that being said, I see a lot of their reaction to this start being about how if only he wouldn't have been shuffled back and forth between the minors and the majors, he could have been good and could have gained some consistency. But I just don't buy that argument at all. So I think it's a cop-out and he's not getting shuttled back and forth between the minors and the majors if he's doing a tremendous job on the mound. So early in the season, he was like playing like the worst starting pitcher in all of baseball. He and Pomeranz and Holland were all performing at extremely low levels. So it's just a massive excuse And I don't like to see it from the beat writers or from the fans blaming the front office for the fate of Derek Rodriguez. This is the same thing we saw from Derek Holland complaining about his playing time and moving to the bullpen, when in reality he was pitching like the worst pitcher in the majors. So I just, I really never can tolerate when a player tries to make an excuse for their performance when they're out there on the big league mound and not doing well. And this all stems from the fact that Derek Rodriguez had a really good year in 2018 in terms of earned run average at 2.81. That's phenomenal. Across 118 innings, 19 starts, just a 2.81 ERA. So if you don't understand or use the advanced metrics, then it's reasonable to be confused about why this year has been such a step backwards for Rodriguez and why maybe the front office hasn't given him very long of a leash which is why it's really important that we do talk about these more advanced metrics that are more predictive of a person's success. So he had the 2.81 ERA, but the peripherals were much higher than that. And this was definitely a cause for concern coming into the season. And right away, we saw that it just wasn't happening for Rodriguez. And the ERA in 2019 was matching up with what the predictive numbers from 2018 were saying he was going to be like. For example, the most predictive number for me was the expected fielding independent pitching for Rodriguez last year, which was 4.56 compared to his 2.81 ERA. So what is his ERA this season? It's 4.79, which is right around where that XFIP kind of predicted he would be. We had a writer on Twitter yesterday talking about they don't give a damn about Rodriguez's fielding independent pitching. Well, that's great. You can not care all you want, but you're not going to be invited to be a member of the front office with that mindset. And in reality, if you're building a team saying, I don't care about this number, then you're going to have a bad team. So it's just willful ignorance at this point, because these we understand these numbers, we understand they're more predictive, yet we are defiant to them and want to pretend that their impact isn't real. I just don't understand that at all. This is a business. They're in the business of having the best possible players out there on a given night trying to win a game. But anyway, it was a huge start for him, and I wish him well. And and yesterday was a huge step in the right direction, and he's almost assuredly earned another turn through the rotation because everybody else has really struggled. They've got to play the hot hand here and just go with whoever's performing. 
So I want to make it clear, I'm not rooting against the guy at all, but I am in favor of using whatever numbers we think are the best indicators of someone's talent level and the best predictors of their future performance. If those numbers are ugly, those numbers are ugly, and that, that's not the number's fault or anybody's fault for bringing those numbers up. It's just the reality of the situation. So anyway, he's got it in him. I mean, we saw it yesterday. I think the stuff was up a little bit. Fastball touched 93 at least. And they very well may need him down the stretch here as someone who can just eat innings and throw out some good starts from time to time. So anyway, we'll see more of Rodriguez. I hope that he can continue to have the the success he had last night. But moving on, I just briefly want to also talk about Austin Slater, who had this three for three night with two walks. And on the season now, he's up to 284 with a 404 on base and a 516 slugging. That's been about 40% above average offensively. He's doing it with a 407 average on balls in play, which we obviously expect to come down. His career batting average on balls in play is really high at 376. So he, is, he has been someone who's been able to get on base a lot when he puts the ball in play. But the reality is he's hitting way fewer ground balls than he did in 2017 and 2018 when he hit more ground balls than anybody in baseball. Last year, for example, his ground ball to fly ball ratio was almost four, which is just absurd. And this year it's all the way down to 1.7. So I'm encouraged by what we've seen from Austin Slater. He's made a positive impact on the bases and he's been a solid defender in right field, mostly playing against lefties. But you know, last night was a step towards legitimacy for me and Austin Slater. I was on the fence about kind of talking about him and declaring that he was officially a little bit interesting, but last night just kind of cemented that for me. And some of the improvements he's made, the swing changes look legitimate, you know, look no further than the fact that the ground ball to fly ball ratio is much better. Obviously, some regression is coming, not going to have a 407 batting average on balls in play. But still, he can afford some regression given that he's been 40% above average. Coming up tonight, the Giants will take on the Diamondbacks in Game 2 of this four-game series. It'll be Jeff Samarja on the mound for the Giants against the right-handed pitcher Mike Leak, former Giant Mike Leak, Soft-tossing, command specialist right-handed pitcher. So expect to see the lefties back in there. Dickerson, Yastrzemski, Vote, Crawford. And then the Giants play two more against the Diamondbacks over the weekend. Saturday's starter is still to be announced, and I continue to think it'll be Logan Webb making his Major League debut, so look out for that as well. We'll be back with another episode on Monday talking about the weekend's games and any roster moves that get made. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cove underscore cast. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again on Monday, and until then, we'll see you next time. 